Off the Hook, airing on OffTheHookSports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. The Off the Hook podcast at OffTheHookSports.com or Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or wherever you go for your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Off the Hook with Dave Hooker starts now. Here we go, off and rolling with Amanda LaFrada. I am Dave Hooker, and boy, what a show today. Comments from Tennessee's players as we preview Pitt. Also, we will be joined by a young man who covers the Pitt Panthers, give a little bit of insight to the game this weekend, and the line shifted uh, recently, so want to get into that. Also, uh, just... Uh, Continued craziness out of that LSU game. And um, and then you yeah, had Clemson last night. What would Tennessee be if they had a Clemson-like schedule? So we've got a lot to get to. She is Amanda LaFrada. I'm going to remind you to click that subscribe and like button so we can be a part of your day each and every day at 830. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. How are you, Dave? I'm well. I'm well. Off and rolling. And uh, did did you watch much of the Clemson Georgia Tech game last night? Did that do much for you? It did not do much for me. No, I cleaned my kitchen instead. If that tells you anything about how how much I wanted to watch that game, <laughs> I, was, I laid down at seven forty-five. I was like, I'm just gonna lay here for a minute. Woke up at about eleven. And thought, oh, there's a game on, and then ran to the TV to watch it. But it, this is one of the things, Amanda, that I think that college football does have to figure out. And uh, Narduzzi, the the head coach at, at Pitt, refers to uh, the other leagues besides the Big Ten and the SEC as the Pee Wee Leagues. Now, he's poking some fun at that. But in all sincerity, if there's not some sort of structure, some of these games kind of get lost in the shuffle because I don't know how significant they really are, other than the fan bases that are cheering for them. They're not really significant at all. I mean, really, if you if you look at it on the national level, the only significance it has is at the end of the season, is Clemson going to be in the playoffs? That's pretty much the only significance that that game has. This is one step closer for Clemson going a, you know, either a one loss and a very, very, very soft schedule to make it to the playoffs. So. Now, I, I agree. And what's going to happen for those soft teams that make it to the playoffs? They're oh, going to get, get beat. Yes. <laughs> they're going to get beat. And I'm not saying Clemson's a soft team, but I'm saying their schedule is super soft. <sighs> so it's, you know, how good – you can never guess how good are they really when their schedule is what it is. And we're going to go through it a little bit later. Where would Tennessee be with that schedule? I think they might be in the college football playoff, and I'm not even joking if they were in the the ACC. First, though, it is down and dirty at 30, brought to you by Honeybees. It's the bees, not the bucks. Amanda, the coffee's just awesome. I could talk about the top 5% of the beans, but ultimately, it's just great coffee. It's just the taste. The taste is great. I mean, it, it's it's a really just legitimately really good coffee. And there's not much you can say about it other than, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter about the beans. It doesn't matter about local versus, you know, corporate. It doesn't matter all of that. It just 
what does the product taste like? And that's, it's great. That's all you need to know. It's the best. I totally agree. All right, let's get to the down and dirty at 30 because there's plenty going on um, as a couple of things I wanted to get to. So UT now a five point favorite. Uh, so that number has moved in the off season from like three and a half to four last week. Now to five, you know, gambling better than I, but from the outside looking in, that tells me Tennessee or t- Tennessee fans are moving the line. And a- am I wrong on that? Because they're betting heavy on Tennessee. Um, I don't think it's necessarily Tennessee fans. I think it's just the nation and the betting public in general. And you see what Tennessee can do against, you know, I know it's Ball State, but how, if you take Ball State and, I don't know, who did, is it West Virginia? Yes, West Virginia. Yes. If you take those teams, I don't think it's going to be a blowout against like West Virginia is not going to blow out ball state. And it just, that's just my opinion, just first glance. So, I mean, they'll win decisively, but they won't do what Tennessee did against ball state. They just, they just won't. So if you, if you look at it realistically and you're just a college football fan, betting person, what, what have you, you're going to take Tennessee plus or, you know, minus five, four and a half, whatever it was, four, that's where the spread gets built. So the more people that take Tennessee, the higher the number goes for as far as points that they'll win by. Tennessee fans, though, are also notorious, and I do think it's the gambling public, completely agree, but Tennessee fans are notorious, and so are Alabama fans, for moving the line because – now, Alabama has good reason over the past 15 years, but Tennessee fans have moved the line since I was like 12 years old. Um, they, they're, Knoxville's a gambling town. I don't know if you know this, but it used to be known as a huge gambling town with all these private poker rooms that were located. Did you Were you aware of that? Uh, yes, I actually work for, uh, you know, obviously a PI, and he's former FBI, so in Knoxville. And... <laughs> Yes, I'm I'm very well aware of those because that that was a, a whole thing. So I don't want you in some smoky room getting in trouble while people are playing cards and you're you're taking their money. Don't don't do that or, or doing oh, PI stuff, whatever the case may be. So um yeah, but Knoxville's a big gambling town. They moved the number, but I think the gambling community in general is gonna move the number and has as well. This, according to Jimmy Hobbs of the Sports Animal, Tennessee fans apparently didn't buy any of the Pitt ticket allotment since Pitt only offered seats in the 500 level. Good gracious, 500 level. Uh, it's Heinz Field, which UT refused after UT allotted 2,200 to Pitt in lower level last year. UT did get over 400 tickets in Section 101, primarily for the band. This is getting a little bit, um, I don't know what the word is, persnickety? Maybe persnickety? Because you had last year, uh, Narduzzi says, hey, this isn't the loudest place we've ever played in. Talking about Neyland Stadium. I just, um, I don't know, but I get the feeling these two programs aren't very fond of each other for whatever reason. Uh, No, you can see that from honestly just twitter like you can see that from twitter like i'm catching crap from pits pit fans 
because I don't think they're they're that good. So I mean, they're watching our videos and then talking trash, which is cool, man. You know, you got the field on Saturday. You can bring it on out there and prove me wrong if you want to. But I do know that it's not against UT in particular. I know that they these are the same tickets that they offer to everyone. It's not just like a we picked UT to to only offer this many tickets. No, they they do this to every game. Like every visiting team gets five hundred. Again, or so I've been told. That, that that may well be the case. It seems like a big bill that you would have more room other than the five hundred level. I don't know, but uh, it. But I think I it mean, does. Just the amount of tickets is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it speaks to to though. Again, th- there is no NCAA. Essentially, they need to be the ones that somebody needs to be the ones that say you give X number of tickets when it's your game, and they give X number of tickets, and that's the agreement. Um, but NCAA- but you also have to look at the stadium size too. Like how how much bigger is Tennessee's stadium than Pitt's? Well, and this game was probably scheduled before Danny White. So those negotiations yeah. were probably done before the athletic director. So a couple of uh, other things. We mentioned the Clemson Georgia Tech last night. So LSU goes haywire. This according uh, to, oh my goodness, I forgot his name. I think it's Bruce Feldman. Uh, LSU wide receiver Keyshawn Butte, uh, my son loves his name. Plans to enter the transfer portal as early as this week. It's rumored that Brian Kelly and Boutte got into a shouting tirade postgame. And Boutte called him a, quote, fake Ed Orgeron. That was first reported by Yahoo Sports. Ouch. Yeah. Great line. Worst thing you can be called a fake Ed Orgeron. It's almost like it's like Ed Orgeron is here up, up high. And you're down here, a fake Ed Orgeron. Good lord! Yeah. And and Amanda, I I thought Brian Kelly was going to turn things around, and he might well do so. But you're already looking at a, a program that has um, suddenly lost its uh, what they, they thought might be a starting quarterback midway through preseason camp. He decided to peace out and go. And now you've got Boutte, one of their best players, that can transfer next week. Um, Brian Kelly may have to clean house. He may have some problems there. And I don't know if he'll have success. But I would say this, in year one, clean house. If it were me and there were a report out there that Boutte was was possibly not going to uh, be a part of my football team next week and was going to transfer – be like peace out go i mean i i'd clean his i'd clean his locker out right this second because you you've got to clean it out and i go back to and i think i mentioned this to you before that when nick saban took over the jimmy john he was a linebacker he was really good he was selling cocaine in the athletic parking lot that wasn't good so what did nick saban did he booted he was gone and he was the only preseason all the sec player that alabama had which sounds insane oh now but just got rid of him and that's that's what you have to do. So if Boutte's that guy, get rid of it. Now, you brought up before we went on the air, would he consider Tennessee? 
my first reaction when you said that was like, well, who wants it if he's already having a meltdown? He, by the way, dropped a big pass in that game that could have helped LSU a great deal. But my second, when I thought about it a little longer after you said it, I thought, well, supposedly Brew McCoy is supposed to have some sort of issues and all reports are great with him. So would you take Boutte? I would, if I were Tennessee, I would take him. And and the reason being is just because his talent on the field will, will help you so much that it outweighs the negative that he could possibly bring. Just That's just my opinion. If I were an Alabama fan or Alabama fan, if I were an Alabama program, I would not take him just because there's not as much upside to what he can bring. So you have a well, you know, every everybody has their place at Alabama. You don't really need any more dynamic players. Does he bring a like completely crazy amount of talent? Yes, he does. Is it worth the headache for a program like Alabama or even like Georgia, as we saw, you know, them playing Oregon? Do they really need anything added to that offense? No. I'm not saying Tennessee necessarily needs it, but would it help? Yes. Um, yes, I think it would. I think you would do your due diligence in terms of yeah, is he an issue? Um, it sounds to me like he's an issue. If you don't go in with a clean slate and you're ready to bolt after game one, and I know it was a disappointing loss, that that's a bad sign for me. But I could have said the same thing about Brew McCoy suing the university. But so yeah, I, I but is it my my question more is is it a bad sign on his part? Because have we heard much about him before this happened? Or is it a really bad sign on Brian Kelly's part? Because now we've seen two, at least two of his players are jump, like one jump ship in the middle of, you know, practice in the summer. And now we're seeing another one jump ship after the first game. And I'm not saying maybe Butte stayed around to see how it played out in the first game and then realized that this is not a guy I want to play for. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that it's Brian Kelly or it's Butte. I'm just looking at both sides of it. And I, I could not – I wouldn't be surprised if it's Brian Kelly, to be honest. I, I wouldn't either. I think he's about as fake as a $3 bill. But I also think you have to go in there with the mindset of cleaning house. And, you know, with, with the people I talked to around LSU's program, it wasn't just bad. It was it was really bad with Ed Orgeron, like even worse than some of the Tennessee issues that have been over the past couple of years apartments for young ladies on campus that were barely legal, all that stuff, you know, and, and really let the program get out of control. So maybe Boutte, I could, I could easily see a situation, Amanda, where Boutte got used to lax at Orgeron. Brian Kelly stepped in and he's like, I don't like this. I'm bucking it. And then he goes somewhere else and he realized that's the way things are supposed to be. They're not supposed to be Orgeron like, so I'm going to adapt. I'm going to be a better guy, and I'm going to adapt to this program. And Brian Kelly could have success at LSU. I could see it playing out like that as well, and everybody's happy. 
I don't know if I could see it playing out where Brian Kelly's successful at LSU. I mean, it just, it's not even just how they look on the field. It's the fact that they're not disciplined at all. And you've had the whole off season to work with these guys. So they come out and, and play. I mean, they play dirty. As you saw that targeting where the guy literally meant and everything in his body and soul to take out that quarterback with his helmet. I mean, he, he looked the guy in the face and whoop, did, did the whole, that is targeting through and through. I don't care who, I don't think anybody can claim otherwise, but just the lack of discipline that LSU has on that field. And like they just had a guy who tore his ACL out for the season because he celebrated like a defensive guy celebrated so hard on the field that he tore his ACL. It's just a lack of discipline. That team is struggling and Brian Kelly isn't helping. And it's, it just seems like a, it's a bad all the way around. I could see Boutte wanting to go somewhere else, play for a coach that maybe he actually respects. Maybe he would respect Heupel, especially this offense. I think he would really like thrive in this offense and show his talents on the field. So Boutte to Tennessee, be sure and hit that like and subscribe button. Officially, Amanda, would you take him? Right now, as, if you're Josh Heifel? Yes, you're Josh yes. Heifel. I'd take him. I'd take him. You know, the reason I would take him is not because Tennessee's 100% established, like Georgia or, or Alabama, but I think they're established enough from a culture standpoint that if the guy comes in and he – is a dip you know what then you just boot him that i mean listen if the kids are going to take advantage of the transfer rules and move freely then i'm no longer expecting coaches to say you have a scholarship because it's a year-to-year thing people haven't pulled scholarships because it hurts your it hurts your reputation long term but the bottom line it shouldn't anymore if the yep. kids can move, we, we and you brought this up with NIL a lot. Now you are viewed totally different. You are an employee. You are not just a student. And you've said it a couple of times, and I, we haven't talked about it, but I totally agree. I mean, it is different. It so, is. Hands down. It's, it's just a different world now. It, I mean, it really is. And if you're Josh Heupel and you take him on, and, and bring him into a culture that maybe is, you know, that everyone's playing as a team. Everybody's looking out for, for everybody else. And it's, you know, this culture is, you'll have like Hendon Hooker up there singing gospel music. You know, this, this isn't going to, the way that you operate, if you operated in Ed Orgeron's, you know, system and you, it was, it went well for you. This is not going to happen at Tennessee. Like, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No, and uh, I don't I don't think so. The down and dirty at 30 continues with Texas coach uh, Steve Sarkeesian saying that, uh, quote, it's one game, you know, talking about Alabama. Quote, it's a chance for us to do what we love to do. I think one of our biggest mistakes people make is thinking this is going to be the game that's going to define our program. And he's referring to Alabama, of course, who Texas plays on Saturday. Well, Steve Sarkeesian's half right. This year, you know, he's got Arch coming. 
he's got at least another year or two or three of equity. But at some point, you, if Nick Saban's still coaching, you're going to have to beat him. At the end of the day, if I made you bet a dollar, do you think Steve Sarkeesian ever beats Nick Saban in college football? Ooh, that's that's rough. You like if you made me bet a dollar, no. And the reason being is because Alabama and Texas play this year and next year. After that, Texas is in the the SEC. Right. We and don't know so, west or the east or the central or the north. But who were. knows where they're gonna be? But after that, they're in the SEC. And more than likely, from what I'm seeing, is they're gonna move Alabama to the east, is what it seems like is gonna happen, just geographically speaking. They'll move them to the east. And then how how many more times are you gonna actually play? You know, how much how how much longer is Saban going to be in the game and how many more times are you going to actually play it play well, against each other I hadn't thought about that I guess I did yeah they would move to the east that would make a lot more sense um, I just considered them in the west and that they would play Texas but I guess they would have to slide over with Oklahoma and that's something that's been talked about for a while so yeah based off that I was going to go ahead and say that Steve Sarkeesian never ever ever beats Nick Saban anyway just based off pure principle and the fact that one's a way better coach than the other. But uh, taking that, I would, I would bet more than a dollar on that. I would, I would bet a lot more. It is time. Yes. You want to say? Sorry. Yes. Also, Sark is going to jump ship at some point back to the NFL. Cause that's what he likes. I believe, I believe he likes the NFL. I think he'll jump ship at some point, but going on the Texas, <clears throat> if you want to talk about Texas uh, or Pitt being, not so generous with their ticket allotment and, and what have you. Mm-hmm. Texas, the million dollar band's not even going to the game. They're not even going because Texas puts their fan or the opposing fans band the very, very top and they give them like 40 seats or something like that. And they stick them in a corner at the very top of the, of the field. Wow. So theoretically, you would have to climb all the way up there. I'm sure there's elevators to some extent, but you got to go all the way up there and then all the way down for halftime and then all the way back up. The mattress place, 22 years on Chapman Highway. Those guys carrying around the tuba could use a a little rest. Well, the mattress place can provide that. How about A-plus accredited member of the Better Business Bureau? Over 225 five-star reviews on Google. No gimmicks, just 30 to 70% off each and every day. It's on Chapman Highway. It's so close to downtown. Sometimes you forget the mattress place. Again, the mattress place. And it is uh, time for today's tough question. Interested to see where Amanda Lombardo takes us. Here we go. We do our research. Have you done your research? We're working like heck. Today's tough question. What's the real debate? You sipping my soup, Guadalupe? Exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker and Amanda LaFrada. You drinking my sake, Kimosabi? Oh, my God. All righty, Amanda LaFrada. What do we got? Today's tough question. So I'm going to go where either where do you think Butte will end up or where do you think is the best fit for Butte? 
<laughs> what a loaded question. I mean, I hate it when people say loaded questions because people have said that to me. I'm like, well, you don't have to answer it. Um, but that is such a loaded question. Okay. What are, are going to be the options? I'm just trying to think of possible options. All right. So I'm going to go. I don't think anybody really thinks he's going to end up at Alabama. I mean, I, I don't think that they think that he will because he would like so. That. I don't know if he would. Would he, would he start? Would I mean, he's a, a crazy talent, but would you see him on the field ever? Well, no, I, I mean, none of he's this. not going to sit. Yeah, none of this is going to work unless he turns into Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara took his comeuppance when things didn't work out of that Alabama. Went to JUCO, always had a smile on his face, just real big at Tennessee, even though he was not getting as many carries as he should. You have to eat the humble pie, and then you have to go. I mean, what I would tell my son, I would say, eat the humble pie. You don't like Brian Kelly. Don't let that be your legacy. Go to the place that will best prepare you for the NFL, which right now I believe is Alabama. And go there, eat the humble pie. It doesn't matter what happens in the first year. Maybe you're the weight room warrior. But after that year, then things will start to happen for you. But you, you, you only have so much eligibility. You better make this decision count. That would be yeah. my suggestion. I don't think he'll go to Alabama just because he won't start right off hand. No. I, don't, I don't see that Saban's going to just, you know, all right, room, throw you in here. You haven't been here at all, but you just got here this week, and and we'll see you that you know on the field against Texas or whoever. I don't think that will happen. I don't think you'd see the field probably until the playoffs if, if Alabama makes it to the playoffs. Um, and I don't see him wanting to sit. He reminds me of an Odell Beckham. I'm not gonna lie. Every time I I see a, they remind me of each other. So I've, I would say Ohio State would take him, hands down, right now. They'd take him and play him. USC would take him and play him. Um, I would put Tennessee in, in there in that talk. You got another team, maybe Texas? I could see that. Um, yeah, I th- and don't, I don't think this is going to be the last one. I'm not saying somebody's going to have a major meltdown and leave during the season, but I wouldn't be surprised at all, Amanda, if you saw other players leave because I can't imagine two opposite people than Ed Orgeron and Brian Kelly. I mean, talk about far ends of the spectrum. No chance. Uh, all right, so where are we well, so are we going to yeah, pick? Yeah, I mean, or, or do you want to say if you're Tennessee, would you take him? It's up to you. Because I think if, but if you're Tennessee, would you take him? Yeah, you'd take him. I think that's a that's a given. Like, yes, you you at least take the chance on him. You're still coming up. Like, you're still, you know, you might be back, but you're not back on the level of Alabama. You're not back on the Ohio State. You're not back on. You know that kind of level, so I, I believe people would take him hands down. I mean, that's just my thought process. I would, I would want to do a lot of research, uh, and I'm not saying I wouldn't take him, but I would do a lot of research. Um, I would probably take him. So, if you want to pick the destinations, let's do that instead. 
Uh, Pedigo Chattanooga locally owned store where you'll be treated like family uh, as the region's foremost electric bike experts. They put their hearts into helping you find the absolute perfect electric bike and get the most out of it for many years to God. Pedigo uh, electric bike rental is the very best way to experience Chattanooga and beyond. The nearby bike trails are just awesome. So get down there. Cody saying from watching the games this past weekend, we have a better chance of beating LSU than Florida. Uh, no disagreement with that. Amanda, do you? No, I, I zero disagreement. I still want to see how good Utah was because that game was not, it was the best part of that game was the last two minutes of it. Up to that point, it was not good. Utah, I mean, as far as Florida's defense went, Utah would just, they they beat themselves. They, you know, Florida's defense just let them do whatever they wanted to. And Utah's the one that just up and beat themselves. So I don't know how good Florida is, but I agree with that assessment. LSU's a dumpster fire. Well, John's saying it should be a right to, in air quotes, work. Players can leave whenever they want. Shoot teams should be able to put a player in the portal for stinking. I, I think they can now. I think that's what we're saying, that it's always been an annual one-year scholarship contract that the school could get out of it at any point. You just didn't do that because it hurts your reputation. But, yeah, I'm fine with that. Now, Amanda, is it as, could this get as crazy as – because – can you still enroll at Tennessee? I think technically you could enroll late. Could this be as crazy as somebody plays for two teams in the same season one day? Um, I think it, we're about to see it, actually. I think it's about to happen. With Boutte? Yeah. Wow. I'm torn. I love college football. I don't know if this is great for college football, but I also enjoy chaos. So I'm torn. <laughs> I mean, would he be eligible? Right That's now? the question. If he could get into school, uh, I know they had the late ads and all those sorts of things, but I know guys that weren't deemed eligible until after the first game before. Yeah, I, but it's a wild, wild west out here. So who knows? Would he even be eligible to play? I don't. I don't know if he would transfer in eligible, and I don't know if we can necessarily look in, you know, past years to go to figure that out because it's just changed so much. I mean, literally it's changed. It's a hundred, like a, you know, 180. Who knows? No, I, I try to go back off history and some of my experiences in these things. And you're right. I have the time I say it. And by the time the words fall out of my mouth, I'm like, well, everything's completely changed. How about Cooper Mays uh, previewing pit? So Cooper Mays, uh, joins us each week on the Vol Report right there on offthooksports.com. And I love visiting with him. Now, let me tell you a little something about last year's game for those that may have forgotten or for those that just want to say that Kenny Pickett's gone and the Blitnikoff winner uh, is gone as their top receiver, whose name suddenly escapes me. But um, Amanda, I, I think the thing that sometimes is forgotten is that Cooper Mays didn't play in that game. He was hurt the week before. So he is the guy who handles the play calls. He's an all SEC performer. Now, granted, you have to pick a center. 
So if you were to pick the top offensive lineman, I don't, I don't, I don't know where he would be, but you do have to pick a center because it got goofy and everybody was picking left tackles, uh, like 15 left tackles at media days. But um, I, I think that's a big difference. But Cooper Mays also knows that he'll be challenged by the Panthers. Here he is, and it's brought to you by our friends, of course, at City Heating and Air Conditioning, 50 years of integrity, integrity City Heat and Air dot com. Here's Cooper Mays. Yeah, uh, per, I think it's a pretty big challenge. Personally, they're they're uh, you know known for having a physical front seven. You know, disrupt the the offense, get back in the backfield, tackles for loss, sacks. They they kind of uh, they, they that's what they kind of you know put their uh, pride into as a team. So I, I think it'll be a big test for us. See kind of you know where we are as a football team and and you know how we're gonna play for the rest of the season. They uh they we kind of got out early a little bit, maybe third quarter ish, and they you know, had a dogfight all the way down to the last second kind of thing. So it, it'll be a really big test for us and, you know, going to a, you know, an away game. So hostile environment, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited for the challenge. And speaking of that, how much does it help your body? We talked about the off days. And I want to get back to Pitt, but just, uh, but, you know, essentially not having to play the whole game as you didn't have to against Ball State. How much does that help? Uh, I mean, you can, you can look at it either way. I think, I think what, you know, more what I was thinking was, um, you know, they've had the chance to go the distance kind of, you know, if you look at like UFC fighters, like fighters that have been in five round fights and have done, you know, all five are, are notoriously better than fighters, you know, who, who haven't, you know, traveled the distance all the way. So, you know, it's, it kind of tests your will a little bit as a man, you know, you kind of got to swim in the deep water and, and tread water. So, you know, you got to see who will float and, you know, who's going to sink. Well, give me give me some more thoughts on on Pitt and their front um, because I think most people think they do have a pretty good defensive front. And uh, what did you see out of them last year? Because it, it's pretty much a similar group, same group almost. that comes back this year, right? Yeah, right. Um, they've got they've got good pass rushers at every level, and 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 you know they may not be the biggest front, but you know they're they're guys that you know play really hard, and they'll you know kind of make it really difficult for you to block them. They'll make it a, you know, a, a pain to block them. They're not, you know, they're not going to sit there and just like throw you on your back, but you know, you got to be really, you got to be really cautious about how you approach them because they will make you miss. Give it up. Uh, we are going to, that was Cooper Mays, brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning. Uh, coming up, we're going to look at the Clemson football schedule. They won last night easily against Georgia Tech. With Tennessee being the college football playoff hunt with that schedule this year, you might be surprised. Stay tuned. More after this two minutes. Tell us about it, Mr. Wright. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli South subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business 
since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's repair. This is Al's Dish Barbecue Supply, so come on in and see all the different rubs and sauces we have, plus a complete line of Green Mountain Grills. Don't be overwhelmed. We have plenty of help so you can produce the best barbecue in a maze for your family and friends. Barbecue is America's food. We'll do what we can to bring you all the best products. We're Al's Nest Barbecue, but Chattanooga goes to grill. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. All right, I want to get to that schedule that we mentioned with Clemson. What will Tennessee do with that schedule? Also, remind you, Nick Carabal will join us uh, with uh, Locked on uh, Pitt. And looking forward to that as uh, Nick is uh, fantastic, does a great job of covering the Pitt Panthers. So we'll get a great preview uh, here momentarily. Uh, first, though, uh, we do want to get to that uh, schedule, that Clemson schedule. What would Tennessee do with that? Let's just say it's a lot easier. Uh, brought to you by Craft Treats. Craft Treats has the minor cannabinoids with CBD that uh, actually increases the benefits of uh, CBD. And, man, Craft Treats is the way to go. If your dog has any sort of anxiety or pain, arthritis with my dog, and I think every dog has anxiety when storms come along, so we use it there as well. But you can go to Craft Treats, it's Craft Treats, and you will be completely pleased with how your pet responds. All right, so want to make sure you hit that subscribe and like button as I want to get to this Clemson football schedule. So Tennessee, we all know, when you look at their schedule, most people, even though Amanda has picked Tennessee to upset Georgia, which would be monumental, but most people naturally go in to this schedule and look at it and say two guaranteed losses. Well, that's not necessarily the case with every other team in the nation. And part of that's because it's the annual opponent in Alabama and Georgia's in the East. But, Amanda, when you start to venture outside for the teams that theoretically are competing for a national title, Clemson's schedule is incredibly woeful. And we had somebody – point this out that I saw on Facebook. So I wanted to take a look at the schedule. Well, let me just throw this at you. Okay, here's Clemson's schedule. We all know you have to make the top four to make the college football playoff, but goodness knows if you're even in that top six range towards the end of the year, Amanda, it's, it's great for your publicity of your program, even if you're the fifth team and get left out. Um, so let's take a look at this schedule. Clemson played Georgia Tech last night. Do you think Tennessee wins that game if Tennessee's playing Georgia Tech in this schedule? Hands down. Hands down. Okay. Furman next week. That's a yes. Um, And then Law Tech. That's a yes. That's three. Wake Forest. (laughs) Wow. 
that would be reuniting with the claw fence. Well, they're actually fairly decent. They are. They're supposed to be. They are. Their starting quarterback got knocked out in preseason camp right before the season started. So I would I would pick Tennessee in that, would you? I mean, yeah, I would. But they're not – I just don't think that they're like a throwaway team like they're usually they – usually no, I agree. And I give Dave Clawson a lot of credit. You know, he had a terrible time when he was offensive coordinator at Tennessee. Still believe in flip-flopping the offensive lines. And when everything went south and Philip Fulmer was looking over his shoulder, he reassessed his career and he changed. And away went the flip-flopping offensive lines, which is high schoolish and dumb. And now he's he's had a very solid career at the time. Just shows you how people can change. I thought he was kind of a bozo. Uh, probably a parallel between me and uh, what uh, Amanda thought of me. But anyway, NC State uh, versus Clemson. Would Tennessee beat NC State? Oh, yeah. After we watched NC State, yes. All right, so we're at five now. I'm, I'm keeping count. Boston College. Uh, probably. I mean, it's Boston, it's Boston. Yeah. Six. Florida State. Technically at Tallahassee if we go by Clemson's schedule. Um, Florida State, we saw him play LSU, but my, that was just an awful experience. So, yeah, I'd give a, I'd give it to Tennessee. I would think they would win that game. That's it, it, a, a 50-50. I would think they would go in there favored by a couple of points. So, so when, far, that's the – that's like the closest to maybe a loss that I've seen on Clemson's schedule so far. Agreed. For Tennessee. So that could be the Burt Reynolds classic because Burt Reynolds went to Florida State and then his last movie was filmed in Knoxville. We got something. You know, random stuff. I don't, I don't know what. <laughs> I know. I was going to. You just put that way together. Like you out and threw it all together in like a gift basket. <laughs> the, the Burt Reynolds classic. <laughs> Syracuse, Clemson. Um, I would take Tennessee to beat Clemson. Notre Dame. Clemson will play Notre Dame. Wait, time out. Yes. Just one second. Yes. You said Syracuse, Clemson. You would take no. You would take Tennessee to beat Clemson. I would take Tennessee to beat Syracuse. Okay. You so, said yeah. Clemson, so I was confused. Continue on. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, and then Clemson, Notre Dame. I would take. Um, that's at Notre Dame. I would have to pick Notre Dame in this game. I'm not going to sit here and wax poetic and tell you that Tennessee's going to win each and every game because that would be a tough matchup. I don't believe in Notre Dame. Long-term, Amanda, because I think they've got a players coach there, but they look good in Week One. So I would have to, I would have to pick Notre Dame if, if this was the schedule for Tennessee. Yeah, I either Ohio State is not as good as they appear to be, or as everyone thought they were going to be. CJ Stroud looked really flat against that uh, Notre Dame defense, or Notre Dame's a lot better than people gave them credit for. And I know that they were ranked in the top you know, five or, or whatever, but no one really <laughs> thought that they were actually good, to be honest. No one really, everybody's like, it's an Notre Dame, whatever. But, I mean, it would depend. I could see Tennessee, 
at worst, at worst, going ten and two with this schedule. Uh, okay, so you, you you go ahead and fast forward through it. So Louisville, Miami, South Carolina, at worst ten and two. That's the exact number I was going to throw out there. Yeah, I, I tennis. I think Tennessee would be a ten and two team, possibly an eleven and one team, and would have to get consideration if they were in the ACC to be in the college football playoff. That is my problem with, and I think sometimes why you and I differ on the mega conference concept is that there are just different paths to get to a college football playoff, and I wish they were more equal, like the NFL. Um, there have been times where you would say the NFC, like in the 90s, was way, way better than the AFC, and maybe they should realign them and all this stuff. No, 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 that's silly. And they didn't. But I don't, I don't see how Clemson going, let's even say 11-1 with this schedule, is better than Tennessee if they were to go 10-2 and two and only lose to Alabama, Georgia. I wouldn't tell you whether or not you make the playoffs. I'd rather go 10-2 and two and lose to Alabama and Georgia than be Clemson and go 11-1 and get that schedule. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. I would rather go 11-1 and one with Clemson's schedule and go to the playoffs. But with the whole mega conference idea, we, we're now going to have that. It's not going to be a mega conference, but you're going to have a 12-team playoff. So it doesn't really matter how well you do, you know, if you're, if you're a, I don't know, Clemson or whatever. It doesn't matter how easy your conference is. When you come into the playoffs, you're going to get blown out. So, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at this schedule, you mentioned the 12 team playoff, which at best will go into place in 2024, more like 2026, depends on who you ask. But if you're looking at this schedule and you're Tennessee, you're absolutely disappointed, dismayed, ready to change coaches if you don't make a 12 team playoff with this schedule. Oh, if you if you have Clemson's schedule, is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, if you can't win, if you can't make the playoffs with a schedule like Clemson's, I mean, even if you can make the sorry, cold. Right. Even if you can make the playoffs with a schedule like Clemson's and you don't go in there decisively and, and strong, then I think that you're no. Yeah. No. I um awful. It'd be interesting. Uh, so uh, Amanda, you think that with that schedule, Tennessee would be what? With Clemson's schedule? What record? Because I'm gonna go ahead and say I think they would be eleven and one. I think they would either lose to Notre Dame or Florida State. I think at worst ten and two. At worst. Very worst. Wow. And then you're probably well, you are in the conversation until the end of the year of you would need things to happen in front of you if you had two losses in November, but you, you would need things to happen, but you're in the conversation. And I can't again, emphasize how important that will be for Tennessee. And it is going to happen. It may not happen under the four team format that you have now, but it is going to happen where Tennessee is going to be in the conversation possibly as soon as 2024, because it's a 12 team playoff. Mm-hmm. That kind of pub that resonates with prospects. That resonates. Uh, that would be that would be monstrous for Tennessee. 
Well, we've seen it with Alabama. We've seen it with Georgia. I mean, the Ohio State, not the Ohio State, but we've seen it with Ohio State. The idea of making it to the playoffs, the idea of, of you know, winning a championship resonates with players. I mean, we, we have the NIL and we have all this, but at the end of the day, if you play football and you're in it for the right reasons, you want to win. So you can see with the recruiting, it, it matters. I'll give you a prime example. I went out of my way to watch the Cincinnati game against Arkansas. If you would have told me August of 2021, you're going to go out of your way to watch Cincinnati, I would have said you were insane. That publicity that they got from being in the college football playoff made Dave Hooker in East Tennessee want to see them play and what they would bring back. That's that type of resonant publicity. I mean, would you have cared what happened with Arkansas, Wisconsin, if Wisconsin would have finished this last year eight and four? Arkansas, Wisconsin? I'm sorry. My bad. Cincinnati. I was like, I have to care about what happens with Wisconsin. I'm forced to care. Um, not, not really. I mean, honestly, not not really. And I wasn't expecting much out of that game. I wasn't expecting much out of of either team, to be honest. I feel like I don't think Cincinnati is that great of a team, but I get what you're saying as in what I would it even have been in the in the right like on the radar no not at all i was aware of the game though and i watched i watched a few plays but i was more focused on the jump around from wisconsin at that point still gets creepier every time i see that so it's worth looking at i have a twitter feed to see the video that she posted of uh announcers really enjoying the jump around thing too much perhaps a little bit yeah, it was a little, a little, little awkward there, Amanda. Owl's Nest Barbecue is never awkward. Owl's Nest Barbecue has what you need in terms of the wood chips. They've got the sauce. They've got the rub. They've got it all. And they've got the pellets if you've got one of those Green Mountain Grill smokers. And if you don't, you need one because they are simply awesome. And you really can't mess it up. It's fantastic. So certainly check it out. Owl's Nest Barbecue, all the supplies that you possibly need for your barbecue and with barbecue it's all about slow cooking that is the key so talking pit how about a couple minutes with jacob warren Uh, jacob warren is tennessee's tight end didn't catch a pass over the weekend and tennessee's tight ends were only targeted once however i wouldn't read too much into that i think that's dropping eight into coverage i think that's going light on the back end uh playing a lot of dime a lot of nickel everybody almost plays primarily nickel now but i think that i think that's the primary reason so suddenly jacob warren is and princeton fan are trying to get open against guys that are quicker and faster than them and that's not out in position is supposed to be played just to be a little bit of a blocker and a little bit uh athletic so they're going to get their catches. I think Tennessee has, other than Georgia, uh, the best tight end group in the SEC. So they're going to be fine. So don't think too much about that. But here is Jacob Warren previewing the uh, Pitt Panthers. And it's brought to you by Bassie Lawn and Garden. Man alive is worth the drive. 
talk into the details. Remember what happened at Pitt, like not going back as to, you know, what happened last year, because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. But, you know, just trying to not make that mistake again. So obviously going back to the game, uh, their defensive front was, was a very solid unit. Um, they returned a lot of those guys and uh, a couple good linebackers, um, a couple good defensive ends, some good interior guys. Um, so obviously going to be more challenging this week up front. Uh, they play with a lot of speed and their front, their front guys play with a lot of power. Um, haven't looked a lot at their back end at their, at their defensive secondary, but um, again, like I fully convinced we have, you know, one of the better wide receiver cores in the nation. So I think they'll be able to handle that pretty well. Um, so yeah, it, it should be a great game um, just like it was last year. Um, and hopefully can again, lock into just the small things and be able to handle our business and, It'll be cool to go up there and play at, I know it's not Heinz Field anymore, but I don't know the name of the actual stadium, <laughs> what it is now, but <laughs> play at Heinz Field, I'll call it, and and just kind of get that experience. And, and it'll be, I'm sure the crowd will be crazy. So uh, super excited. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what it's called either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Heinz Field. <laughs> um, when, when you play a smaller opponent that maybe is, is a little bit more based off of, of speed, um, mm -hmm. a deep front, so to speak, um, as opposed to those, you know, I, th I think of the big, the big defensive tackles that are in the SEC, mm -hmm. but you play a front like that. How, how do things change? Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's more about just thinking about what they would do to stop it. Right. Play to, playing to their advantages, understanding that, you know, they're quick. You'd say that kind of brings in some twist games, some stunts for the DNs and the D linemen and, you know, linebackers moving all over the place and, and twisting and crossing and coming off the edge and, and, you know, defensive ends hitting into the A-gap, stuff like that, just because they're able to do it athletically. It's Acrisure Stadium. You know what Acrisure is? Um, I'm just I'm – gonna. I just put it up on the Very, un very unsure – Oh, you, oh! So you have it down there? I thought that was our guest that was early. So can I share it? Yeah, you're sharing it right now. Oh, there That's it is. That's what it's called. Acrisure. Isn't it weird to be Kenny Pickett? And last year, you you went to the facility at Pitt, and they actually share facilities with the Steelers. So the doors are like twenty yards apart. So you go to the same place. <laughs> That you went throughout college. Isn't that bizarre? So that is that is very weird. But I know it only seats. It, doesn't it say like sixty eight thousand something like that? Yeah, kind of the NFL model. Uh, maybe yeah. a little bit more fan friendly. As you, you see it there, if you're watching our YouTube page. But Acrisure, do we actually know what Acrisure is? Do we know what that? We have any idea what that actually is? I don't think so, but I'm in looking at it. I'm sitting here going, "Where is a 500 section?" Like I don't, I don't see anything that could have been. Oh, sorry, I did not know you were. I was going to pull it back up. Well, we can I go think, back. I think even I think I, I know you've seen a, a Titans game. I think they even have some like goofy number sections where you're way, way, way up the top. Right, but what I'm saying is, is it's you know. It's being made like a big deal about a 500 section. Yes, if you were in Neyland Stadium and you were at the very, very top, that's 
completely different than being here. Yeah, if you're checking it out on YouTube, you can see it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a smaller stadium. So a 500 section there is probably more along the lines of a 200 section at the stadium. It would be just the upper deck. So yeah, all. so people so. saying like, oh, they're only, they're giving us tickets in the 500 section. Okay, well, the 500 section doesn't look like it's that bad. I mean... Well, you, if, if you can't get a ticket to that game, which appears difficult, you can always go to Big Orange Phillies. Big Orange Phillies is a great place to watch the game. It is there in the heart of North Knoxville on Maynardville Pike. Big Orange Phillies is family-friendly, and they've got all kinds of great things like billiards, darts, but the best thing, in my opinion, is the food. We had the wings, and they were absolutely unbelievable. So Big Orange Phillies, convenient to Maynardville, convenient to North Knoxville. Get out there, watch some ball over the weekend. You will enjoy it. And, uh, the NFL uh, does take over uh, as as well. I do like this one weekend that we have where college takes kind of the spotlight. I think it's pretty cool. Um, but uh, ready for a full a full weekend too of Thursday. Um, Friday games. I usually don't watch Friday games for two reasons. Uh, happy wife, happy life. So I hang out with her on Friday. And that's that's one of the... Don't look at me. I do. Shanda I, is always happy. Like, she's I know. always a happy wife. Amanda's well, like, it doesn't matter. Amanda's like, why in the Hades would you ever be happy? But I, I do believe in that. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but she's the, out of every person, every woman, every wife, including myself, I'm like, Dave, like, my God, you've, you have an angel of a, of a lady right yeah. there with you. Yeah, you Clay do. Travis Yeah, Clay Travis can kick it. I outkick my coverage way better, and I've, I've never seen this while I don't know maybe But I'm pretty pretty happy with mine, so i got no complaints. Um, but, I mean, typically I don't watch games on Friday night, but I will get up, and I'm excited about – games on saturday and then sunday um you know i was always more of an nfl guy than my friends who were hardcore tennessee fans i mean i was a hardcore tennessee fan growing up i threw stuff and got mad and screamed and yelled at television yeah i mean i did i did all that i grew up but i did all that oh i threw stuff and um, i was yeah i was around and i just quickly realized that this isn't healthy and, um, but the yeah, there's something about the NFL that starts that brings this whole this sort of different feel of excitement and football is really, really, really here. And so excited for that. Um, I don't Fantasy know. Fantasy football. Yeah. By the way, I was going to ask you, um, uh, you have a spot open for me? We already did a draft. We asked you. You said no. I hate fantasy football. I didn't. I love being in it. I don't Did. like. It. I don't like it when people talk about it. Uh, I like it when I talk to Mr. Viles at Viles Automotive Group. Uh, I tell you what, Viles Automotive Group wants to be the home of your car shopping experience, and they want, they need, and they appreciate your business. And it's about integrity. They've got the service department as well but they have selection that a lot of other people don't have. And you know, you're going to get a great deal walking out the door. So that's Files automotive uh, group. And so we're all discombobulated today 
the show because we wanted to make room for our guest that's uh, coming up because we want to get a preview of the Pitt Panthers. So a little bit later, Nick Farabaugh will join us of uh, host of Locked on Pitt, and he does some work for the ACC Network as well, and he also writes about the Pitt Panthers. So he knows more about Pitt than I would ever uh, dream that a man could. But so we're a little discombobulated, so we're going to throw it around schedule-wise, if you don't mind, Amanda. And we're going to go ahead and get to a quick round of message board bingo, if you are prepared for that. Because message board bingo is the home for, well, message board morons. But let's go ahead and uh, do that right now. So what do you got, Amanda LaFrog? All right. So the way this works is she gives me the message or post. I try to pick it. Yes, which is going to be exciting today. <laughs> All right. I've never been one to question this coach, but I feel like he is letting his emotions and love for a specific player influence his coaching decisions. Love one player. Yes. I can't think of. Oh, it's gonna be Georgia. Is it? No. So it's a quarterback. This is. They're talking about a quarterback. I was thinking. Yeah. Well, close, but they think that the fix is in. That. He, this coach loves his quarterback so much that it's hurting the team. Wow, I'm lost. A- ACC. Uh, gosh, it wouldn't. I'll go Clemson. How about Clemson? It's Clemson. Okay. Well, I was kind of, yep. I kind of got that one right, even though it was first. All right. What else you got? Message for Bingo rolls on. All right. This is talking about a head coaching hire. Someone's already in week one tired of their head coach. So Urban Meyer, their list of coaches, he will be looking for rebuilding his image. What a better way to do it than making this team a powerhouse. Lane Kiffin, a great offense and ability to recruit. Hugh Freeze, exciting offense and has won at another school. John Gannon. He would bring a he would bring strong defense, and he is this person's alumni. He's an alum of this person. I'm going LSU. I'm going LSU. It's actually Louisville. Louisville, the Cardinals getting a shot. The Cardinals going all out. All right. What else we got? All right. So this is a team. I'm not rooting for FSU. F them. <laughs> and then this guy replies with, I got a lot of coin on the Tigers. And then this other guy replies, smart man. I got a lot of coin. Okay, so this would be an LSU, right? No. No, I mean the Tigers, yes. Okay, so the post would be a on the LSU board, right? Yeah, I'm not rooting for FSU. F them. Okay. And the guy says, I got a lot of coin on the Tigers. And the guy replies, smart man. Okay, so I think that's LSU. 
No, no, no. I think I think that's Florida State. Totally confused. Okay. So if they say I'm not rooting for Florida State, <clears throat> F Would, them. Yeah. It's not going to be Florida State. No, it would be Florida State. Um, I'll go LSU. Who I'm hates Florida State? Uh, maybe me. i got to go down there in a couple weeks. I would say Florida. It's Miami. Miami. Okay, I was going to say Miami. Or one last one. Okay, last one last one. All right. OT, the chick announcer last night, was the best chick announcer I've ever encountered. Knew the teams in the game, stayed in her lane, and her voice was not nails on the chalkboard. Anybody catch her name? I know who you're talking about. I can't remember her name. I think she's very good. I don't care if she's male or female or what she is. I think she's good. So, uh, but go ahead. So we got to get to what that. team Maybe. is it? What team is it? I don't know. It had to be SEC. last night. Oh, okay. I'll go LSU. No, the LSU didn't have a, a girl calling their game. It was South Carolina. South Carolina. Alrighty. Uh, well, uh, Nick Barabaugh is going to join us in exactly two minutes. So hang tight with a pit preview that you will not want to miss. Two minutes, and we'll give you the latest on the panel. Vials here, Vials Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car, it's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Vials Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasty's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasty Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct service station here in Ottawa. It's not a fancy place, never has been. But it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here. We sell gas and fix cars, nothing glamorous, but we love what we do and we're going to keep doing it for a long time to come. There's not many real service stations left and that's a shame. We're the guys just like the guys back in your hometown. We'll fix your tire, change your oil, and put a new set of Michelins on your car. If you want a Twinkie, you'll just have to keep on going. Thanks for the business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Do what? Let the dogs out. You know, like, let the dogs out. Off the hook. Carrying on offthehooksports.com. 
your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Welcome back. Amanda's dancing, so things must be going well. <laughs> we are joined by a very special guest. We need to preview those Pit Panthers first. I want to tell you about Zool Beer Company. Zool Beer Company. Zoolbeer.com, the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports. And they've got a great place downtown, panoramic views in Knoxville. I would take Nick there if he was coming in town, but the game happens to be a pit. So it would be really inconvenient for us to try to get there. But Zool Beer has worldwide award-winning beers. They are simply awesome. So I believe we have Nick now. Nick, that's how nice phone. Or that's Mike. That's your phone? Okay. All right. I'm working this all out, Nick. Hey, hey, we got it. <laughs> I knew we could do it. I was wondering why I didn't see your anyway. Nick, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well today, guys. As always, appreciate you having me on. Uh, great to talk to Pitt, Tennessee. It's going to be a really fun game, I think. Both fan bases really seem to be hyped up for this one. Yeah, I love talking to you locked on, guys, because you, I mean, you truly are locked on. Uh, it's the same for the Tennessee guy. And uh, you, who I like very much, um, but you, you probably know Eric Kane, but um, want to get your your thoughts on this game. But let me let me start and go back a few months, um, and th- maybe even a year. So you have Mark Whipple, you have a, a guy that ends up being a first round draft pick in the NFL, and Kenny Pickett. Then you have Jordan Addison, who wins with Litnikoff, and then Whipple's ready to bolt. So I'm, I'm curious if there's a backstory there that I'm not aware of because now they're more of a play-action team, which is fine, but it just seems like a vast departure from what they were 365 ago. Yeah, there is a story behind that. And, and the story we've largely heard is that Pat Narduzzi um, did not want to throw the football as much as Mark Wolf wanted to throw the football. Um, didn't feel like it fit the style of the offense and the personnel that they had coming back. So they changed it. And that wasn't Mark Whipple necessarily ducking. Pat Narduzzi forced him out. Um, so that was Narduzzi deciding to move on. Mark Whipple wasn't coming back no matter what. And if Kenny Pickett actually did not come back for his senior season, he was not coming back that So clearly that was something that was already in the works. Mark Whipple was out the door regardless, and that's why he goes to Nebraska. So now Pitt's more of a, say, play-action, pro-style team where, yeah, they can go shotgun, but they are under center. They run – a, a scheme that's very akin to that of what I would say a Sean McVay would run. The young Sean McVay ran in like Washington, for example. Um, so that's kind of what they run now. And it's because they want to run the football more. They feel like that tailors more to their strengths. They have an experienced offensive line, a deep backfield. So that's what that switch was for. And it really was a, a disagreement, a pretty ugly one, too. We heard throughout the entire offseason Mark Whipple and Pat Narduzzi did not see eye to eye. It, it kind of blew up, and that's why Mark Whipple bolted before the beach game. Wow. Interesting. So what do you make of the way Narduzzi handled that before we get to the actual game? Yeah, well, I think Mark Whipple is a great quarterback developer, which is why I think we've seen Kenny Pickett grow so much under his tutelage. I also think he has his faults as 
an offensive coordinator. I do think sometimes that Narduzzi was right in the fact that when Pitt was running the ball, he didn't run the hot. And that was the big thing to me for for Pitt overall is that when they were running the ball well, it felt like Whipple was just going to keep throwing it. Maybe Kenny Pickett didn't have his best stuff every day, and that was kind of the issue. Now, Pitt had a great offense, but he also made some weird situational play calls. And I think that was the one thing that really ticked Narduzzi off was – and this guy's – it's fourth and one. He's throwing it 50 yards down the field instead of just running a quarterback sneak on fourth and inches. And I think that's the type of stuff that really got Whipple into hot water with Narduzzi is like, man, in some situations you just need to run the football. Just just fall forward, right? Or do stuff like that. Um, so that that's the thing. I think Narduzzi definitely is brash, and you know that's in his nature. And certainly I think pushing out Mark Whipple instead of maybe going to talk with him and, and trying to smooth that out is definitely an overreaction. But – that's what we've seen with Pat Narduzzi in the past. He has certainly has had his trouble getting along with his offensive coordinators before. Nothing new here uh, in Pittsburgh. So question about, I guess, we'll go defensive side of the ball for Pitt. What do you expect them to do against a dynamic offense like, you know, Hendon Hooker and a, an offense that's only gotten better like under Heifel? It's only gotten better than you saw it last year. It's kind of, you know, ironed out its problems and it, it's it's working real real well now so how do you see Pitt being able to defend that well it's a tough one because it essentially runs the same defense if it's every team because they run that cover zero blitz heavy front that makes it tough right because the corners are always on islands and so are their safeties and that makes Pitt's defense an outlier and, and the fact that you don't really have to prepare for these multiple schemes or whatever because what you see is kind of what you get but what they're going to do is they're going to blitz the crap out of him. I saw, I watched the ball state game a lot. A lot of it was three man rushes. They're not going to see that. They're going to see five, six man rushes, and it's going to bring the heat. So the, the offensive line for Tennessee has to be ready for Pitt's linebackers to come. It will bring their slot corner sometimes. It will bring the heat here. Pitt is a really good defensive line. So that's the battle of the game to watch. Can Tennessee's offensive line? hold up here. Now, obviously, you know Josh Heupel goes tempo, and they can do quick screens, and they can all do RPOs and all this stuff, and certainly that's something that they will do, I believe, but it's going to be aggressive in this game, and they're going to play an aggressive brand of defense. They do. They're going to sell out to stop the run, and they've done that for the most part under Narduzzi's tenure. Had a bit of a rough game last week with some inexperienced linebackers, but they feel like they're growing, so we'll see how they kind of come out. Um, but that's going to be what the game plan is. It's going to come with an aggressive type of game plan. They're going to trust their corners and safeties against Tennessee's receivers one-on-one. We'll see how that ends up working out because Hendon Hooker will have his opportunities, I think, to throw the ball down the field. Um, but Pitt's DBs play a pretty solid game once they got going there against West Virginia. So we'll see how that all works out. But the blitz, heavy front, that's the thing to watch uh, for Pitt this week. That's interesting. It sounds like – could have 10 sacks or 10 touchdown passes. You know, it's, it, I wonder what the in-between is on that. Uh, who are some names that you see emerging? And you can go with, with names we already know from last year. But on this defense, who, who are some guys that Tennessee fans need to keep an eye on? Well, Kalaja Kansi is a, a big name, obviously. and He made his name known in last year's matchup. Habakus Baltanato is another name that made his name felt in last year's matchup. These are its two best defensive ends. Um, but another guy that's really emerged during the senior season is John Morgan, who had a phenomenal game last week against West Virginia. Three tackles for loss, a sack. This was a guy that he's so explosive. He, he's a really special player in that regard. He's got special athletic traits, and that's what Pitt has 
on this D-line. They're athletic. They're a little undersized, but they are super athletic. And very rarely do teams shut them down. Um, and that has been what they have done all year. Sivasti Dennis, the second level at linebacker, is a key guy to watch. But this secondary is something to watch. MJ, MJ Devonshire is the player to watch for Pitt thus far. He kind of usurped A.J. Woods, who was the starter coming into last week. And Devonshire played a heck of a game in the second half where he actually came out as the starter. And I think he's a big name to watch in Pitt's secondary. So you've got to watch those athletic guys on the D-line. But this secondary has a, has a lot of experience. Marquez Williams, Brandon Hill, Eric Hallett, these are all seniors that kind of know the expectation of this defense. And then you got this young guy, MJ Devonshire, who's kind of come out of nowhere, long, athletic. He's disruptive, and he's a really physical player that comes down, plays in run support. He, he's blown up a lot of screen plays before when we've seen him. He's a fun player. So uh, there's a lot of guys emerging on this defense. I think the one weakness you look at is the linebackers. Um, it's Dennis in the middle, and then they have a young guy in Bengali Camara on that right side, and he was pretty bad last week against West Virginia, so he'll have to keep it up. Um, I, I think that's where maybe they attack. Maybe they try to get, you know, a guy like Princeton Fant up the middle, um, stuff like that. Um, they, they try to kind of open up the the, the, the defense over the middle of the field. I, I think that's going to be the big thing. It has a lot of players that could have next-level aspirations um, on this defense. It, it kind of just depends on how the scheme works and if they can execute against a pretty solid uh, Tennessee deep offensive line to be quite honest with you. So let's talk about uh, Pitt's quarterback, Slavis. Is that how you pronounce it? I've, I've seen Slavis, Slovis. I just, uh, yeah, I think as Slovis. Slovis. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about Slovis. Um, how does he compare to Pickett? Do you see, is there, can you give me like a downside to him versus an upside you know, say we take Pickett, how is Slovis better? How is Slovis, you know, worse? What's your take on on him as the quarterback? Yeah, tough one because I think Kenny Pickett's the better quarterback, obviously. Um, but I, I think Kenny's more mobile. I'll say that first off. So you, you remember how many times Kenny Pickett just escaped the pocket against that Tennessee defense last year. It made something happen out of structure. Probably not going to happen with Keaton Slovis. Um, I, I think that Kenny Pickett is better pocket presence than Keaton Slovis. Slovis last week was a wreck in the pocket, man. I mean, he ran himself into four or five sacks. That probably shouldn't have happened. His offensive line played well uh, for the most part. Um, and, and that's a big downside for Slovis. I do, however, think this. I think that there are push accuracy-wise. I think Slovis has the stronger arm. And I think Slovis is probably a better deep passer. So it, they're, they're, they had a weird strategy last week where they ran the ball a lot when very heavy set. That's probably not what they're going to do this week. They're going to spread the ball out. They have two modes on their offense to where, yes, they can run the football a lot and go heavy, but they can also spread you out and shotgun and go four or five wide. That's what you should expect to see from Pitt this week. Keaton Slovis last week, when he was able to throw the ball 10 or more yards, 7 of 11 for 163 yards and a touchdown, he was really impressive in that area of the field. So that's where they're going to have to watch him. If he gets time to sit back and throw the ball – Deep down the field, it can really get some explosive plays going. And I think that's where Keaton Slovis kind of makes his bread, uh, really, in this college game. That's where he made it at USC, and that's where he made it last week when Pitt finally started to get moving in that second half, and they came back in the fourth quarter. That's where Keaton Slovis won. Jordan Addison, was it just a, a simple business decision, or was there anything behind his decision to go to Southern California that we're not aware of? Uh, no, it, it pretty much was a business decision for the most part. It, it was an NIL thing. Um, now, I'm sure for him there were some other things like 
listen, you get money to go play for USC, Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams in Los Angeles. You're probably not going to turn that down. But I don't think there was anything concerning from the football side of things um, for the most part. I think he felt like it was just a good opportunity over there with money to play with a guy who might be the first-round draft pick and obviously a great coach, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, and you might, get to, you might get to kick it with Snoop, too. Who knows? Sorry, man. Go ahead. No, you're fine. My goodness. Um, I hope not, because if you do that, you're not going to pass a drug test coming I back. It's legal saying. out there. But but I don't think it is for football players. I'm, I'm pretty sure you still can't do it for if you play the NCAA. Anywho. Um, so, so coming back to that, who do you expect to see replace that? that big you know hole that he left behind who are you looking at to lead that charge as wide receiving court one name that's all you need um this is a guy that quite honestly last week should have had 150 yards and two touchdowns and slovis missed him two times um he's a deadly route runner and he really really impressed last week he can win at all three levels of the field so it doesn't matter if he's running a quick screen a deep post or say a drag route across the middle of the field that's 10 yards deep. He'll win at all three levels. He's he comes up from Akron, but he absolutely dusted West Virginia cornerbacks last week. Um, and, and that was against Charles Woods, who's a pretty good corner, one of the best in the Big 12. Um, so he showed out, and he's a guy that I think is going to be a big part of this, this game plan. I think that they're going to try and open it up with him. He really is just one of the best route runners in the ACC, and that's what makes him so deadly. Um, and he gets open. He understands spacing against some coverage. He's a really good receiver. Now, other guys in that room, Jared Wayne, the, the senior, he's a guy that's obviously very familiar to most people. Uh, he had an impact in this game as well last year. Um, but there are some new guys. Former Tennessee wide receiver, Bub Means. Uh, Gerard Bub Means is now on fit. He's the third wide receiver. Um, he transferred out, went to Louisiana Tech, proved himself as a height-weight speed guy, six foot four, and he's all every bit of six foot four. The guy is massive. And he's a guy that's young guy, but still kind of figuring things out. But he's got a lot of explosive play ability as well. Legitimately, he probably runs a sub four or five. So he's got some, some speed to burn on him. Jalen Barden is another guy who can really run. Um, and then they have a young kid, uh, Jaden Bradley, who's another six foot three guy. So really, this, there's a lot of size. Outside of Mumfield and Barden, those guys are about five eleven, six foot. Wayne, Bradley means they're all six foot two or more. So it's going to going to look to the size a little bit to maybe play a little bit of bully ball out here. Um, but those are your five guys that you look for. Who's going to fill in that role? Those are your five guys, and Mumfield being the leader of the ball. Nick, I want to I want to step away from the game for half a second, a really big picture, because you cover an ACC team. We cover a, a an SEC team, so it, it certainly looks like the Big Ten and, and the SEC uh, are in good shape for the future, and if there is a mega conference, they're going to be it. As far as from Pitt's perspective and the ACC as a whole, how do they view all that has happened with the conference realignment? Because some people, I don't know if it's Pitt, I don't know if it's ACC or whoever it is, if it's Oregon, I don't know. Somebody's going to get left out of this thing if they go mega conference. It's a tough one because it's definitely a period of instability. And now the ACC has that ironclad TV deal, and that's the one thing that the ACC has to fall back on. You can't get out of it. I mean, you have to pay an absurd amount of money that even the SEC and Big Ten aren't going to make for, say, five, six years. I mean, it's an absurd contract to get out of. So that runs through 2032. So at the very least, the ACC has a buffer period. 
And that's what I think they're looking at here is, okay, we have time to evaluate our options. Now, a team like Pitt, who's kind of in a weird spot where what, two years ago they don't, even get a, they don't even get a shout in this conversation probably, but now they're an ACC champion team and they're trying to grow a brand. And so Pitt's in a very weird spot where they have natural rivalries. Say, if you imagine Notre Dame goes to the Big Ten, well, they have two natural rivalries in Notre Dame and Penn State right there, and, and maybe that could interest the Big Ten. I don't know what Pitt thinks. Um, I think that they're definitely thinking that, though, those are the two big conferences that are obviously rising to the top. And any way you can play yourself into those conferences, probably for the better, you get more money, more exposure, all of that. For the ACC, I definitely think this is an instability moment where you have to evaluate your options. Do you add an Oregon and Washington? Do you add corner schools in Arizona? Do you expand Westwood, right? Uh, do you try and grab teams out of the Big 12? It's kind of like – I think it's the top two, and then I think there's going to end up being a third conference that might not be on the level of, say, the SEC or the Big Ten, but they will be a very viable conference. And so it's going to be, for me, between the ACC and Big 12 to see who steps up to the plate and can hit that home run to get themselves to the next level. And as long as the ACC probably has Clemson and those guys, I think the ACC has that leverage, but they got to make a move at some point. All right, Nick, uh, we'll uh, let you get out of here again. uh, how can we follow your work again locked on and where can we find all your good stuff yeah you can watch locked on pit at, on youtube locked on pit listen um we will have a preview with eric kane um of course later this week so make sure to check that out pit tennessee we're talking that all week follow me on twitter at nick underscore Farabaugh. read all my stuff at pittsburgh sports now folks appreciate it great stuff hey nick lastly let me let me get a score prediction from you or at least some people don't like that cover beats. I never like really give them predictions, but um, just how you see the game unfolding, if, if nothing else. Yeah, I think this one's going to be a shootout to the end. Um, I'm a big handed over guy, so I like what, what they have here in Tennessee. I think Tennessee's going to be a little too high powered. I had Pitt going 10 and 2 in the preseason. This was one of their losses. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to take Tennessee in this one, say 45 38, something like that, a high scoring attack. I think it's going to be very similar to the last to last year's game, but let's just flip it around a little bit. Let's give this one to Tennessee because I'm a huge fan of Hendon Hooker. I like some of the receivers they have. I think that defense has improved. That D-line is really going to be an issue, I think, for Keith Slovis if he can't stay in the pocket. So I like Tennessee in this one. A lot of people don't know that Hendon and I are related. Does that take you aback? (laughs) It does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't look much alike. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it, Nick. We'll follow your work. And uh, we'll see if your, your prediction holds true, but I appreciate the time. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good show. Nick Fairball. And I tell you what, man, um, the Lockdown guys know their stuff. I didn't ask him, but Nick's, Nick looks like maybe he played ball. I know Eric Kane played ball. So uh, some some really great insight there. I thought that, that was very, very strong by Nick. Does that change your thoughts on the game come Saturday, did anything he say stand out to you in particular? I mean, honestly, no. And when we, you know, previewed Pitt, I said the offensive coordinator is a is a he's different. It's new. It's not going to be as what we saw last season. He pretty much said the same thing. You know, um, Slovis not as good of a quarterback as Pickett is. So that's that's a weakness. Um, the only thing. I guess he said that he feel was he felt was really good was the defensive side of the ball, and and I think I don't 
I don't really. We'll see how good they are. Let's just put it that way. I think it's a pretty good way of putting it. It's kind of that yeah. SEC speed thing. Once you see that up close, maybe it's not. Maybe they're not quite as as good as you thought. Now, I find the whole Whipple thing just to be really interesting. Mark Whipple, who was the offensive coordinator, did a great job. I mean, you produce a Blitnikoff award winner and a first-round pick. I mean, heck, it's, it's, it's tough to do better than that. Um and well, then that Golden Arm Award, I believe. Yeah, I think United, he did he win? Pickett won it, I believe, last season. Is that a Bryce Young? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Pickett. It's um, because I didn't have a I would have Bryce Young, like I did in the Heisman. Um, I, um, I just find that whole thing to be really, really goofy and interesting. And some of the things that Narduzzi has said is just uh, – I got to be honest with you. I, 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 that guy seems, from afar, he seems as like he likes to be the center of attention almost as much as he likes to be a football coach. You, you kind of see what I'm driving at there? Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but just, you have to have a little bit of that kind of bravado as a as a head football coach. I mean you do, but he is a little bit too much. It's kind of an Urban Meyer look. But it's kind of recent too. Like he wasn't like that for years. And in the past 18 months or so it's just kind of like he's saying everything. And listen, I'm sorry, if if you have a a guy that produces a first round pick and a Blidnikov winner, you've got to find a way to get along with him. I mean I, I, I'm not saying you kisses, you know what, but I'm saying well, there hey. might be there might be other stuff that went on behind the scenes that we don't know that'll come out later. I mean, we, you know, we heard from from Chris Landry <laughs> on like Les Miles and, and crazy stuff that's happened that no one knows about until years later. But yes, Kenny Pickett did win Johnny United's Golden Army Award last season. Yeah, and and to go to to go to. Nebraska, of all places, where Scott Frost is on the hot seat, that tells me that Whipple is ready to get the heck out. And he's willing to go to a place that he could get fired from in 12 months. Seems like it's more of not so much of what we see as something behind the scenes has gone awry with him. And Either philosophically or personally, it sounds like a couple of dudes that just don't get along. Yeah. I mean, it really does. It's, it's really what it sounds like. I don't know if somebody's wife, daughter, I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. Let's not make this an overdrawn situation. Well, you never know, man. Today's tough question. Give me the scoreboard update on that. So it looks like Tennessee fans are pretty uh, excited <laughs> about the chances. So we asked uh, Boutte. At LSU, he's reportedly going to transfer like in, within the next five minutes. And Something. where should he go? Well, I said, what team is the best fit for him? I changed it a little bit because where he should go is not necessarily where he will go. You know, but so what team is, is the best fit? So, what is what are the standings? Heavy Tennessee. Last time I looked at it. 
my gosh, 94% Tennessee. But there's four teams you can choose from. <laughs> well, apparently just one you can choose from. So you have USC, Ohio State, Tennessee, and Texas. And everybody's on that Tennessee train. I, I appreciate the local feel of our of our listeners. I do. Um, and when I look at that list, if it's it's a good fit, I think a great fit is eating the humble pie and going to Alabama. And you could argue that Nick Saban might not be there throughout his career. I think that you wasn't could argue. an option. Oh, it was not an option. Who were the four yeah. options? USC, USC, Ohio State, Ohio State, Texas, Texas, and Tennessee. Yeah, Alabama's not an option because I don't think Nick Saban would take him. I'm not going. Um, you may be right. I'm not going. Where would I encourage my son to go? I would probably say the easiest plug and play is at Tennessee. I say that with no bias whatsoever. But the plug yeah, and play, have a big year, get drafted in the NFL. Out of that mm-hmm. group, the most likely seems to be Tennessee. Ohio State, you're going to have to sit. Southern California and Texas are going to both be breaking in new quarterbacks. Now, Tennessee will too, but let's face it, that that that's that's a sports car of an offense. They'll find a driver. Yeah. Well, what my thing is, when will you be eligible to play? Are you are you eligible immediately? Is it a Bruce McCoy situation? I don't so, know. Yeah, I, it wouldn't completely stun me if he showed up on the sideline of the game. Exactly. That's my thing. Is like, can is it like immediate? Is it the MLB now, where in you know? In the fourth inning, somebody's leaving the dugout because they got <laughs> traded. Just got traded to the commanders yeah. or whatever. That, Whoever. That still it messes with me. Is the name changed for what they the, but anyway, it's a whole different topic for another day. Uh, isn't he a projected first round this year? Can he even play? Uh, Daniel, uh, referring to Boutte. That's my question. I mean, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I know a few years ago it would have been a, you know, no, like you you sit out, you're you're done. But now in the NCAA, has it changed? Because everything keeps changing and they keep making new rules or not implementing the ones. It is a, who knows? It is an absolute show right now. So I have no idea. Yeah, I just I, I go back to it, and the problem I would have, and you said, so with some programs like Alabama not taking, um, yeah, he was part of the reason they lost that game, and he's upset about it. I'll tell you, I'll go ahead and tell you where he's gonna. Somebody texted me during the show. I'll go ahead and tell you where he's gonna end up. You ready? Yeah. He's gonna head just north. Oh, I say. Not that far north. Mich- oh, head north from yep. here, Kentucky. No, from LSU, from Baton Rouge. Oh, from LSU, Ole Miss. Ooh. We'll talk to you tomorrow at eight thirty. She's Amanda Lafrada. I am right. Davey Booker off the hook sports. Check us out. We'll have complete coverage of Tennessee as they will meet with the media this afternoon. So look forward to that. And tomorrow on the program, we'll have a very special guest. You might know him. He was a congressman and. He played football for Tennessee. Guess who that might be? 
I think you probably know. Does he have Ob- a son that plays football for Tennessee? Yes, and his name's not Army. For Amanda LaFrada, I'm Dave Hooker. This is a production of Off the Hook Sports. <laughs>